The topic today is a great one. The Holy Spirit is alive and well on planet Earth. This talk tells you the solution to spiritual death in the soul. So stay tuned to this program. We're even going to talk about the Trinity. Is the Holy Spirit a person? Or is the Holy Spirit, as some people tell me today, an influence or just a power? But firstly today, it's my privilege to introduce to you a very beautiful lady. She's going to come and sing to us, Leela Cervantes. Would you please welcome Leela today? Jesus. 
That was wonderful singing, wasn't it? Did you folks enjoy that? Yeah, I enjoyed that. And we welcome you to our program. All of those around the world who are tuned in today, we give you the warmest welcome. Now, I want to welcome an old friend of mine, Xavier Rodriguez. Would you make him feel at home today? Xavier, nice to see you, my friend. How are you today? I'm doing fine, Pastor. I'm doing fine. Thank you very much. <laughs> I remember you're coming with us to India, and what a blessing you were there, helping take care of security. Were you always a believer in Christ? I have to say yes, but not not a follower. I didn't read the scriptures that much. My mother's the one that put some words in me and would take me to church, what have you. But no, I I did believe, but I didn't follow his word to the letter. What church were you brought up in? You've so you've got a Christian background. What church was your was your mother a member of? Well, basically we're a traditional Catholic, but then my mother would be invited to other churches, and just go everywhere. Seeking the Lord, I guess. You joined the Marines? Yes, sir. In 1963. And where did this take you? Well, unfortunately, I went to a place called Vietnam. Where, uh, you know, I often wondered why my life was spared there. I lost a lot of good brothers. And uh, I came back without a scratch. And I often wondered why. And now I think I know why, but I didn't know at the time. When you were away from the Father's house, when you were away from God, out there in this evil world, as the Bible calls it, how did you feel inside? Well, I just, uh, it's very disturbing what's going on there because if you stay there too long, you, you can become an animal because of survival. And, and the more you see, it just, I mean, it'll grow on you. You can't stay there too long, it, it affects you too bad. But I thank God that he was with me because I, I did make it back alive. How did you come to a personal knowledge of salvation? Now, you are a sincere believer in Christ today. How did this happen? Well, I remember uh, when I was in the Marine Corps, my mother had passed away. Uh, she was sick, had cancer, and I was uh, in the Marine Corps about a month. I never got to see her when she died, but the night she died... I was doing guard duty, and, and I looked up in the sky, and, and I had this euphoric feeling. And it wasn't a voice, but something talked to my heart and mind said that everything's going to be okay. And I, I didn't understand it, but I felt peace for the first time in my life at that time. And then uh, in May 6th of 1999, when I finally gave myself to the Lord, is when I felt that feeling again. Then I knew at that time what it was. When did you start coming to this church here in Arcadia? Well, I, actually, I, I came one time to your church when you were in Glendale on uh, Colorado and Glendale Boulevard. Got introduced there. And then when you started, when you got this church here, I came off and on because we were going to uh, one in Whittier. And then eventually uh, we just made a commitment to come here because I was being fed here. I felt the spirit here, and, uh, and I still do, and that's why I'm here. And that, I speak that from the heart, sir. You talk about the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. When you were apparently a long way from God, and you've told me some of your experiences in security and the violence and all of those terrible things that you've seen, you've seen your friends shot to death. Did you have a sense during these years 
that the Spirit of God was trying to get through to you? Well, in a way I did because I remember I used to drink a lot and my pride was getting, it was killing me. And I know one time when uh, I read 1 Corinthians 6, it talked about drunkards won't get into heaven. And I was drinking pretty heavily and I, and I asked God, I said, Lord, please never, never let me die drunk. Let me sober up just enough to receive you because I want to see my mother again. And I know where she's at. And, and I just, I asked him that and, and he was able to do that for me. He gave me 55 years of trying to destroy myself before the Spirit worked on me. And I thank God for that. We thank God for you, Xavier. We're proud of you and Norma. And we thank God for what you are, who you are, and what you do. And God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. That's the reason we exist. Uh, he was a man a long way from God. The stories he's told me, he didn't think he should tell them today. But they're stories that tear at your heart. And it helps you to realize that God is alive and well on planet Earth. The first question we're going to ask is this. Who or what is the Holy Spirit? Now today, many people are starting to teach that the Holy Spirit is not a person. They're giving up the doctrine of, of the Trinity. I believe in the Trinity. I believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I don't believe in three gods. I believe in one God. But people today are saying the Holy Spirit is really just a great force and a great power that comes into your life. I want you to come to a number of important passages in the Bible. I want you to come over here to John 14, verses 16 through to 18. John chapter 14, and verses 16 through to 18. I want you to notice these words. And Jesus is talking here. John 14, 16 through to 18, Jesus said, If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father... And he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. And then Jesus said, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Now Jesus is talking here about a person, my friend. He's not talking about a thing because he talks about the Holy Spirit as the counselor, the person who comes and talks to us. I want you to come now to John 14, 25. Got a lot of texts here today. John 14, verse 25. Jesus said, All this I have spoken while still with you, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. Now Jesus talks about the Father. And Jesus says, the Father is going to send the Counselor. In the old, beautiful King James Version, it says, the Comforter will come. Then if you look at verse, let me see, uh, verse 26, look at verse 26. John 14, no, John 15, 26, 15, 26, Jesus said, when the counselor or the comforter 
comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. So Jesus sends him, and the Father sends him. And the Bible tells us he is a person, and he's alive and well on planet Earth. Look at um, John 16, verses um, 5 and onwards. And Jesus now starts to talk a great deal about the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm going to the one who sent me, yet none of you asks me, where are you going? Because I've said these things, you are filled with grief. But I tell you the truth. It is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus said it was for the benefit of the disciples that he was going because then he would send the Holy Spirit. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. In regard to righteousness, because I'm going to the Father and you won't see me any longer. And in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, much more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. Now my friends, um, Jesus here is not talking about a thing. Jesus is talking about a person. And when that person comes to us, we're never, never the same again. And when Xavier was out in the world, and when he seemed to be a long way from God, the Spirit was still speaking to him. Jesus is not talking about an influence or a power, but he's talking about a person. Would you come over here to 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and uh, verse 14, dear hearts and gentle people. 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and uh, verse 14. And here you have the words of the great St. Paul. He says, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and uh, the love of God and uh, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Now, this wasn't seen on camera, but today we had fellowship. We got up and we shook hands and we said, God loves you and so do I and I'm glad you're in church today. And we had fellowship. And after church today, we're going to have fellowship at the home of Lourdes. We're going to go to her home and we're going to have fellowship. You don't have fellowship with electricity. Electricity is a force. It is a power, but you cannot have fellowship with my glasses. 
or the blackboards. You have fellowship with a person. And the Holy Spirit is a divine person. He's a person, but he doesn't have a body. Not like us. The Holy Spirit is everywhere at once. He's on the other side of the universe and he's here in church today. He's alive and well in this church because he is a person. I want you to come now to Romans chapter 8, which is quite a remarkable verse. Romans, I love, as you know, the book of Romans. We ought to read through the uh, first eight chapters of Romans, maybe at least once a month, and read it through and try to memorize it. Romans chapter 8, verse 26 and onwards, Paul says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Don't forget that. Have you got a weakness? The Bible says the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for. I tell you, my friends, we're sort of dumb, aren't we? Pretty dumb. We don't even know what to pray for. And so the Bible says, but the Spirit himself, not itself, intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with the will of God. Now, he doesn't have a body, but he's got a mind. Can you understand that? Can you understand that? I can't understand that. If I were to understand that, I would be God. Only God can understand God. And this great person, the third person of the Godhead, he intercedes and he groans. He feels things so deeply that he groans and moans. And the Bible says he has a mind. A mind that fills all space at all eternity. And Jesus said, I'm going to send him to you. He's going to be with you and he's going to be in you. Is he in you today? Would you like to know why there are so many churches that are spiritually dead? It is because the church members do not have the Holy Spirit in them. But the Holy Spirit is the, is the great mind that fills eternity. The third person of the Godhead. Come over now to Romans 15 and verse 30. My friend, a thing cannot groan or intercede and a thing doesn't have a mind. Romans chapter 15 and verse 30. I urge you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. The Spirit has the capacity to love. A thing cannot love. So the Holy Spirit is a person without a body but with an infinite mind and he loves people. 
I want you to come now to Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19. Matthew 28 and verse 19. And this is sort of the clincher. Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19, where Jesus is talking about the Great Commission. You know what it is. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name. Does it say names? Have a look there. Is it singular or plural? One, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't say the names. Jesus didn't say baptize them in the names of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. If people who deny the doctrine of the Trinity believe, if they believe that the Spirit is a power, a tremendous influence that comes from God, then what you, and if they believe that Jesus is not equal to the Father. If they believe that Jesus is a created being, and many people believe this, if that is so, then you have Jesus linking in unity the creator with a creature, with a thing, the Father, the Creator, the Son, creature, the Spirit, a thing. And I should say the names. But Jesus here is talking about a divine mystery which is incomprehensible to our puny, finite little minds. He's talking about the infinite God who was manifested, the one God who was manifested in a person who was called the Father and a person who was called the Son, and a person who was called uh, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is divine. He's God. I've had people say to me, and they've been sincere, they've said, I could never believe in a doctrine if I could not understand it. Goodness, I'd have to give up faith. I believe in electricity, but I don't understand it. I believe in the Trinity. I do not understand it because God is incomprehensible. You all know the theory that's been proved true of Albert Einstein, E equals MC squared. Do you understand it? I'm asking you today, is there anybody here who can come forth and give me an explanation of E equals MC squared? A thought has just hit me. Another one, so I'm going to let it expand. <laughs> it's not in my notes, but it's got in there somehow. It's just got in here. I'm going to tell it to you. You know about Albert Einstein. He would go from university to university giving lectures. And in those days, nobody knew him. He was, you know, just a scientist getting famous. But people didn't really know him. And he had a chauffeur. 
And they would drive from one university, university to another. And Albert Einstein would talk about the theory of relativity to all the world's great scientists. And uh, the scientists would sometimes ask questions because this was a new concept. Einstein one night was very tired. Ever felt really exhausted? He was pooped out. He said, I don't know how I'm going to give the lecture tonight. The chauffeur said, Dr. Einstein, I've been with you a zillion times. I've memorized it. They won't know the difference. He said, you, can, you memorized it? He said, yes, I memorized it. So, well, Einstein said, you go give the lecture. So this man, who'd never made it through high school, got up and gave the profound lecture on the theory of relativity. And Einstein sat down the back. He sat down the back. He pretended to be the chauffeur. And everything went well until a great professor at Harvard University got up and he said, Dr. Einstein, this was the most amazing lecture I've ever attended, but you've baffled me. I want to ask a question. <laughs> and there was the car driver. He just stood there, just stood there, and Dr. Einstein thought it's all over now. But the car driver was not dumb. He said, you know, you're a wonderful group of people and that's a wonderful question from my friend. But he said, it's so simple, I'm going to ask my car driver down the back to come up and answer it for me. <laughs> now listen to me. There are some things you can't understand. It doesn't mean you're not going to believe it. I had an old friend in Australia, great preacher, man of God, Pastor George Burnside. I worked with him for a number of years. He told this story. So, you know, I can't claim that this is my story. It's Pastor Burnside's story. I heard this story, he told it more than 40 years ago. He said a man came to see him after one of his meetings when Pastor Burnside was giving evidence for God. And the man said, well, Mr. Burnside, he said, all this faith business. He said, I don't, I don't buy any of this faith business. He said, I want to ask you three simple questions, and I want to have three simple answers. Pastor Burnside said, fire away. He said, tell me, have you ever seen God? Just as you can see me here today? Come on, he said, none of this faith business. Have you ever seen God? Well, Pastor Burnside said, no, I haven't seen God. Ah, he said. Well then, have you ever heard God? Just as you can hear my voice today. Have you ever heard God? He said, well, no, no I haven't heard God. Uh, mm. Well, <laughs> said the skeptic. He said, here's the third question. Have you ever felt God? He said, feel my hand. He said, got a good hold of it? Have you ever felt God? He said, no, I've never felt God. Well, he said, you haven't heard God, you haven't seen God, you haven't felt God. He said, I'm very sorry for you, but the evidence is against you. Mm. Pastor Burnside said, just a moment, my friend. He said, I want you to ask, I want you to answer three questions. Very simple. Have you ever seen your brain Oh, the man said, don't be preposterous. No, no, he said, let's be perfectly honest about this. Have you ever seen your brain 
just as you can see me here today. He said, no, of course I haven't seen my brain. He said, well, um, uh, have you ever heard your brain? Have you ever heard your brain talking to you? Just as you can hear my voice. He said, no, of course I haven't heard my brain. Well, he said, then maybe you felt your brain. Have you ever felt it? Ever felt your brain? He said, no, I've never felt my brain. He said, well, that's interesting. You haven't heard your brain. You haven't seen your brain. And you haven't felt your brain. He said, I'm very, very sorry for you because the evidence is against you. Now, my friends, there are some things we can't see, and there are some things we can't feel, and there are some things we can't hear, but the evidence tells us that God is alive and well on planet Earth. There's no doubt about it. Now, the work of the Holy Spirit. I want you to come back to John chapter 16, verses 8 to 11. This is a key passage. John chapter 16, verse 8 down to 11. John 16. Verses 8 down to 11. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. Keep reading. In regard to righteousness, because I'm going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. And in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. The Bible tells us he convicts the world of sin. He convicts the world of guilt in regard to sin. Let me ask you something. Have you ever heard in your soul a still small voice that says you shouldn't be doing that? That's the Holy Spirit. How can you explain? We were running a great series of meetings at the Filipino International Conference Center. And one night I received this letter. I remember it as though it were yesterday. The person wrote to me and said, Pastor Carter, I came to your meeting tonight. I was carrying a dagger. I was following a man all day. He came to your meeting. I was going to kill him after the meeting. But he said, as you read the texts of the Bible, something spoke to my heart. And I've given my life to Christ tonight. We later baptized him. Who did this? Was that my preaching? No, it wasn't my preaching. It was the Holy Spirit talking to his heart. What about the prisoners on death row? I had the privilege, now this was taken a few years ago. See my nice curly hair? <laughs> you don't recognize me? You know, I'm fat today compared to what I used to be. It's an awesome thing when you preach to people who are sentenced to death. I was taken in through these great gates and went in through the prison, finally found myself at death row. I preached on the cross. I preached on the electric chair. 
that Christ went to the electric chair for me. As I preached, all the prisoners on death row came and stood at their doors. All these bars, some were allowed less security risk to sit in the congregation. As I told them about Jesus, because the Holy Spirit magnifies Jesus, he doesn't magnify himself. And he doesn't magnify us, he magnifies Jesus. They started to weep. We took them into a place where there was a pool. Awful place, filthy water. The prisoners here are on their knees because they couldn't stand. The water was only up to our knees. So I told them, get on your knees. You can see Pastor Graham Bradford there with me, my old colleague. What leads people who've been murderers? These men were murderers and assassins. What leads people who are murderers and assassins to come to Christ? It's not a man, my friend. It is the Spirit of God. He will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin. The Bible says he'll convict the world of righteousness. And then he said these words, because I am going to my Father. While Jesus was here, we had a perfect example of righteousness. But when Jesus went home to glory, we no longer had a perfect example of righteousness. You're not a perfect example of righteousness. I'm certainly not a perfect example of righteousness. I'm a sinner, saved by grace. But the Spirit of God comes and convicts us of righteousness. So we feel that we're sinners. Better write this up on the blackboard because it's so important. The Spirit of God convicts of sin. The Bible tells me that the Spirit of God convicts of righteousness. You know, when I'm a long way from God, I think I'm a pretty good person. That's the reason people are filled with self-righteousness, because they're a long way from God. But the Spirit of God comes and he convicts me of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Because the prince of this world now stands condemned. The Spirit of God tells me that God has got a plan for finishing sin and sinners who don't come to him. We read before that the Spirit of God guides us into all truth. Don't you remember the text? We read it a moment ago. The Bible says he guides. He's patient with us. He guides into all truth. And sometimes the Spirit of God will reveal a truth to me that is inconvenient. And I struggle with it. And I don't want to do it. And if I keep struggling, I'll start, if I keep resisting, I will harden my heart. And so the Spirit of God convicts of sin and righteousness and judgment and he guides into all truth like Dr. Julia Ukenau. Remember Julia? Danny Shelton and I met her in the governor's palace. After I'd spoken to the governor of Nizhny Novgorod, she came forward and she had a finger bandaged. 
She's now in charge of this wonderful television station. In 3ABN, she's preaching every week on 165 stations in the former Soviet Union. Glory be to God. And we had the privilege of leading her to... No, the Spirit of God used us to lead her to Christ. But she held up a finger when she met me. It was bandaged. She said, last week you preached on the Sabbath and I said, never, 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 never. Not going to do it. Not going to be baptized. Not going to follow, not going to do this because it's inconvenient. She said, I went to the butcher instead on the Sabbath and I bought some meat. And as I was cutting the meat, a bone went up my fingernail and it got poisoned. And she said, everywhere I went that week, there was someone talking to me, convicting me of sin and guiding me into all truth. And she said, every time I held up my finger, it said to me, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. It wasn't a finger, it was the Spirit of God. She was baptized and she is one of the most wonderful Christians I know. The Spirit of God is alive and well on planet earth and the Holy Spirit brings glory to Christ. The Bible says, he, Jesus said, he will not talk about himself. We shouldn't talk about ourselves too much either. The Holy Spirit, my friend, even though he's the third person of the Godhead, he doesn't talk about himself. He talks about Jesus. And Jesus is the Savior. He is called, John 14, 16, you don't need to turn to what we already have. He is the counselor. If you want good advice, if you've got a mind open to God, go to the Holy Spirit. But don't say that the Holy Spirit is leading you and that the Holy Spirit wants you to do something if you simply want to do it yourself. That's what some people say. They say, well, I'm going to do this because the Holy Spirit has told me to do it. Sometimes that's wishful thinking. But if we open our hearts up honestly to God, he will be our counselor and he'll tell us what we ought to do. Jesus said, he lives in the believer. He lives in you. Now you think of this. You can have today the Spirit of God inside you. When I was pastor of the wonderful Warunga Church back in Sydney, Australia, one night a group of young people came to me and one young fellow fell down on the ground and he said, and they all said, he's got a demon. I said, are you sure he's got a demon? Oh yeah, we're sure he's got a demon. I said, does he truly believe in Jesus? Yeah, he's a great believer in Jesus. I said, he hasn't got a demon. So we just let him roll around for a little while and then after a few minutes he got up. If you have got the Holy Spirit inside you, you can't have a demon. You can be attacked by a demon. You can be harassed by a demon. But I want you to know this, the Holy Spirit doesn't live in the same house with the devil. You hear that? The Bible says he lives in you. And here's a wonderful text. We haven't read this text so far. Come over here to Matthew 3 and verse 11. Come over here to Matthew 3 and verse 11. These 
are great words. Matthew 3 verse 11. These are the words of John the Baptist. Matthew 3 verse 11. What a preacher he was. He said, I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me will come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not fit to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He'll baptize you. The Bible says he's going to baptize you. Now we've all been baptized with water. But the Bible said he's going to baptize you. And he's going to do it with fire. Fire. And fire gives light and fire gives energy and fire gives warmth. Now we've all heard about churches that are composed of the frozen chosen. All heard about this. People say, my church is so cold. The people don't seem to have any emotion. The people seem to be so unstable. You can't depend upon them. They'll be here one day and not here the next week. And, and they're just cold. It is because they haven't got the fire of the Spirit of God. There's nothing worse, my friend, than having a church that has a dead man in the pulpit preaching to dead people in the pews. He'll baptize you. John the Baptist said, with the Holy Spirit, and he'll baptize you with fire. That's sort of unknown to most people today. And if you come over now to Ezekiel 37, you ought to read this this afternoon. It's the vision of the dry bones. Ezekiel 37. I want to ask you something. Is your church made up of dry bones? Ezekiel 37, 11 to 14. You can read this through at your own leisure. Ezekiel 37, verse 11 and onwards. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones, they'd been looking at a great heap of dead bones. These bones are the whole house of Israel. They were dead and dried up, like some churches. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore, prophesy, preach and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says, oh my people, I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring, bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and have done it declares the Lord. I tell you, friends, many churches today, many congregations, many ministries are like that valley of dry bones. The Bible tells me he guides into truth. Yeah, he baptizes with fire. And when he baptizes with fire, he brings life. And when he comes to you, He'll make you hot inside. He'll make you warm inside. And you'll be like that burning bush on fire for God. I want to give you just a few illustrations of the mighty acts of the Holy Spirit. 
after we got back from Manila, we had taken a bunch of young people overseas. We lived in one of the most affluent cities in the world and affluence and spirituality don't go hand in hand together. You want to know why, where the church is the strongest? Where the people are the poorest. Where is the church the weakest? Where the people have got everything and they love money more than they love God. Like here. So we took all these young people out of that sewer in Sydney and took them to Manila and ran a great campaign. And when I came back, I was the pastor of the church. That was a great church. When I came back, I told the story of how these prisoners had come to know Christ and the Spirit of God had broken down the walls of resistance. Now in that church, we'd had a real problem. We'd had a large number of those young people, good young people, get deceived by false teachers who'd come into the church. And they had become proud, arrogant, know-it-alls, untouchable, super self-righteous. And after that sermon, the leader of that group came to me and he said, I surrender to God, I have been deceived. That's the Spirit of God. What we need is the Spirit of God to open our eyes in the church. I'll never forget going to India. You know, by the grace of God, we haven't told you this, we're going back to run two or three campaigns in India next, this coming December. <laughs> Goodness. <laughs> Pray that we don't get killed because it's hard to preach there. We're going to go back. What do you do with people coming forward in crowds like this? Great crowds of people. Who did it when 30,000 people came forward in the altar call? Was it John Carter? No, it was the Spirit of God. I saw the Spirit moving upon Hindus and Muslims. You say, you can't do that in those audiences. Have you ever tried? What we need is a little more faith a little more, more gumption, a little more courage, and we will see the power of God. The Spirit of God is alive and well on planet Earth. We've just come back from South Africa, which is tough. Johannesburg is affluent and tough. What brought people out of the security of their homes to come to the meetings when Johannesburg is one of the most dangerous places on the face of the earth. What brought these people? Was it John Carter? It was the Spirit of God. What brought millions of people, millions of people in Russia and Ukraine? We're planning to go back there too, <laughs> to Kiev, where 100,000 people couldn't look, a hundred thousand people couldn't get into the meetings. So it doesn't happen anymore. If it doesn't happen, it's because you and I are stopping it from happening. It would happen here if we had faith and let the Spirit of God convict us of sin and of righteousness and put a fire in our souls. I have seen the outpouring of the Spirit of God. I've got people who say, oh, we're praying, we're fasting for the Spirit of God. Maybe you ought to 
go and do something else, maybe you better go and work and preach and communicate because he's alive and well on planet earth. I tell you, mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. Hallelujah. One last text. I haven't got down to the unpardonable sin, but that's okay. Come over here to Acts 2. I always have too much in the sermon as it is. Acts chapter 2. And this is when God poured out the Holy Spirit and tongues of fire came upon the disciples. Acts chapter 2. Let's start at verse 4. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And verse 3 says, they saw what appeared to be tongues of fire. Listen, folks, let me tell you something before I read it any further. I've had the experience before a great meeting overseas where I have felt absolutely done in and exhausted. I've thought I can't keep going. I'm tired. I've got no power left in me. Maybe I ought to just go and sit on the beach at Coolangatta. But let me tell you folks something. I don't know if anybody here has had this experience. As I would walk out on the stage and there'd be a vast audience there, I would feel a mantle of power fall on me. And my mind would become razor sharp. People would say, where do you get the energy? From the Holy Spirit. And as I would be preaching, the audience would be in the hands of God. And when I made an altar call, they would come forward. How can you explain 10,000 atheists and communists at 6 o'clock and 10,000 believers praising God at 7? It's the Spirit of God. He's alive and well. I have seen the glory. I have felt the power. And after I'd preached the sermon, as I'd walk off the stage, the power would leave me. I could hardly get back to my room, hardly walk up the stairs. This preaching evangelism business is hard work. A few of you have got an inkling. But the tongues of fire came down the last word, verse 17 and onwards, Acts 2, in the last days God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. You young men will see visions. They won't be at the discos on Friday night. Your old men will dream dreams. They'll have the spirit of God. We go to these other things because we're dead inside. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. The women get the spirit too, you know. <laughs> God is not like, not like some of us. And they will prophesy, preach. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs in the earth below. Blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. We are living 
in those times. I refuse to accept second best or third best. I want to be filled with the Spirit of God, don't you? If you can say today, oh, Holy Spirit, fill me, raise your hand. Lift it up high. Holy Spirit, say it out loud, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, fill me, fill me, convict me of sin, convict me of righteousness, lead me into all truth, baptize me with fire. He's alive and well on planet Earth. Please kneel. We thank you, our Father, for the doctrine of the Blessed Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. One great Godhead manifested in the Father who sent the Son, who sends to us the Holy Spirit, who testifies of Christ. It doesn't talk about himself, but talks about Jesus. We thank you that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And Jesus is the only one in the universe who can satisfy our flaky, cold, wayward hearts. We're raising our hands in this church today to say, come into our hearts, Spirit of Jesus. Lift up your hand if that's your prayer. Come into my heart, Spirit of Jesus, Spirit of the living God. Pour afresh on me. Come into our hearts, dear God. Send forth the Spirit. Fill us with your fire and grant us your life that these dead bones will live. We worship you, we bless you, we praise you, we give you glory in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. For his sake and for his glory, amen and amen. It's not my own.